You are now listening to Tough Gages Podcast. Welcome back to the Talk Your Jits podcast. This podcast is, as the name implies, all about jiu-jitsu. I'm your host, Lamar Smith. And today's guest is a first-degree black belt who owns Team Callista Martial Arts located in Hinesville, Georgia. Ladies and gentlemen, Kayla, I mean, sorry, Kalem Callista. Yes, sir. Thank you, Os. Os, what's going on, sir? Living the life, living the dream. I know, right? Get to sit down and talk about jiu-jitsu. It's exactly it. Right, man, I, well, tell first... my, I tell my students, jiu-jitsu is about, uh, it's about 20, 30% jiu-jitsu and about 70, 80% talking shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so true. But first and foremost, man, I would like to extend my thanks and, uh, you know, appreciate the time, you know, taking out the time and doing an episode with me today. Greatly appreciate it. Yes, sir. It's an honor. Thank you. Yeah, man. So without further ado, man, let's give the people what they want. If you want to formally introduce yourself again, by all means, and let's hear about your jiu-jitsu journey. Okay. Uh, like you said, I'm a first degree black belt. I'm uh, under GF team, under Abraham Marte. I was the uh, first American to receive my black belt in the Dominican Republic. I had an academy there for about 10 years. And uh, that's it. Basically, just I've competed a lot. Pan American champion, um, uh, world's medalist, multiple time American national, four time champion. A um, lot of accolades. My biggest accolade, though, is definitely um, opening this gym in, in Hinesville, it's, uh, which is a, a military town. We're right here at Fort Stewart. So I work a lot with the soldiers here. Um, police department, I just become post-certified, so we're training police officers here, doing a lot of good things. Man, sounds like it. Sounds like it. So so it's so it shows that you've been doing this for a very, very long time. <laughs> so um, yeah, but how did you uh, almost 18 years? Wow. Damn, 18 years. Wow. So uh how'd you how'd you get started? How did jujitsu find you? Uh, I, I I always hate this answer because it's the cliche, same answer that, that everybody from my generation gave. UFC won. Hoist Gracie. Yep. You know, seeing uh, seeing this little 165-pound guy going in there and killing all these big monsters. You know, I just said to myself, I've got to do that. I've got to learn what that is. At that time, I had done um, Taekwondo for 10 years. I had boxed, you know, which, um, man – when I saw that, I thought to myself, all these years have just been a waste, you know, because that's, it's just the last true David and Goliath martial arts. Yeah. I never think about it like that, but yeah, so true. But it's, yeah, I mean, you look at like, t- take boxing, take karate, take anything, you know, like that, a guy that's bigger and stronger always has a huge advantage, but you know, jujitsu, it's leverage, it's, you know, the size really doesn't matter as much. You can take a, I give my son, for example, he's 135 pounds and uh, he wins absolute tournaments all the time against 220, 230 plus pound guys. Ooh, beast, beast. <laughs> but yeah, I think it's it's so crazy to me, like how, you know, it's it's always talked about how 
well, I don't think it's talked about enough, really. But, you know, if you do jujitsu, you kind of know. But how big of an impact that was uh, seeing that match? Like you said, you got this really small guy and you're going against, you know, multiple, uh, you know, black belts and different sizes. You know, you had sumo wrestlers, you had boxers, you had street fighters, you had brawlers, so many different aspects. And you see this skinny guy walk in on the mats with pajamas on and they're like yeah right. what the hell <laughs> like what is this what is this kid about to do right but yeah it it's it funny the even how the boxer yeah it was funny like i said how the boxer he even wore one boxing glove because he said he thought he was going to hurt his hand from boxing hoist so much you know jabbing hoist so much in the face mm-hmm that's <laughs> But that's so crazy, man! How that how that all started? Cause, yeah, like I said, like it's it was one of those things where no one knew what this was about, no one knew what jujitsu was or even meant, and then like you said, we get this little guy came in, just just shocked the world, and next thing you know, like I said, everyone was like, okay, we got to find out what this sport is, and like, we had to find out what this martial art yeah. is. Like, there's no way, no way. You know, a, a guy that small should be able to handle himself so well against someone twice his size. Yeah, definitely. It's unheard of. You know, you never, we never seen it before in any other sport. You know, they all have the, the weight categories and everything. So it definitely was revolutionary. You know, you got to give the Gracie's credit for that because without them coming here and, you know, Hoist putting on that show like that, I don't think jujitsu would be what it is for sure in the States like it is now. Oh, not at all. Not at all. Not at all. And it's good to see that it's still, obviously, as you see, it's still thriving, you know, with jujitsu. But it's like it's exploded into something I don't think a lot of people would have ever thought that, you know, where jujitsu would have been. You know, where where jujitsu was heading now. Oh, absolutely. I mean, even me, like I say, going back 17, 18 years like this, man, we, for us to learn, like, so I was around Georgia you know, uh, South Georgia. And there wasn't many, there was a black belt that was about an hour and a half from me. So I would have to drive an hour and a half there, an hour and a half back. And I did that about three times a week. And then the other four days of the week, I would drive another hour and a half to go train with a purple belt. And you just didn't get that access like you have now. I mean, now almost in every state or every city within an hour drive, there's black belt. You know, there's uh, high quality training on YouTube. You know, I didn't have access to YouTube, man. If we wanted to watch an instructional, we'd all chip in on buying a VHS. You know, we'd all sit in the gym, watch it, see a technique, have to pause it, rewind it, you know, look in magazines and stuff. So it's just, a, it's a really good time and place to be a jujitsu student, you know, because you have just so much access now. It's unbelievable. So unbelievable. So unbelievable. And because um, I, I, I asked that a lot of, you know, a lot of black belts, you know, who's been in the game for like so many years, like, you know, how was that, tra- no, like seeing that transition, like you said, from you having to go clear across the town to find schools and the highest rank you saw was purple or, you know, sometimes blue was the highest rank you saw mm-hmm. to now it's like you can throw a stone in any direction, you will run into a school. <laughs> or like you said, hop online and, you know, yeah. quick search. You got like a thousand videos on one technique. So, 
Yeah. Yeah, man. It's funny, you know, like, like uh, I tell my students all the time, I'd been training about almost two years before I ever saw a brown belt. And when I saw a brown belt, it was like seeing a unicorn. You know, we just, we did, there wasn't all the access like this. And then again, going probably four years training before I saw two black belts roll. And when I saw that happen, it was literally, you could hear a pin drop in the room. Nobody yeah. made a sound. Everybody was just fixated on this. Oh my God, two black belts are going to roll. You know, now I, I've got a, another black belt at my academy here and me and him will be rolling and you'll see guys over there on their phone hunting Pokemon. You know, and I'm just like, okay, <laughs> wow. <laughs> so you don't know how good you got it. <laughs> I'm telling you, they have no clue. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that was like one of my first experiences too when it came to uh, jujitsu, uh, like early when I was like a, I think I was like, a one oh i didn't think i was striped yet but anyway but it was early like maybe one or two stripes uh one of my training partners uh competed in um the ohio buckeye and you know okay. it's you know the, the the gym is packed you know it was just loud and when it got to yeah when it got to the black belts the room was like hush like everybody was focused yeah. on this match and i'm you know like i said new to the game i'm just sitting here looking like is it is this boring to people? Like, is it like no yeah. one's reacting to anything? But I just ironically I was going through my camera and I went back and, and watched the fight because I recorded it and I'm looking like, oh man, this was such a good ass match. <laughs> but right? I didn't I didn't yes. know back then, you know, if I man, if I knew what I did, no, no, I know now back then I would have been like drooling over that fight. But I was like, Yeah, all right, what's what's going on here? <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. It's definitely a good time and age. That's for sure. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. They, like I say, like we say, uh, if there was not many high ranking, uh, people, cause even now, like, uh, like I was talking to my instructor, uh, cause I did a, I did my very first seminar a couple weeks ago and, you know, nice. went to the school, you know, went to that school, awesome guys. And you know, I was you know telling my instructor about it. And he was like, you have to think, when people meet upper belts, a lot of people don't get a chance to roll with black belts. Don't even get to train with black yeah. belts a lot. And I'm like, that's crazy. Cause even for me, I've met our, you know, I met a core belt, I met a red belt, but how many people can actually say that? Like, yeah, I've yeah, actually trained many, with there's not a black many left. Yeah. You know, you know, our grandmaster, grandmaster, uh, Francisco Mansour, um, and then you know we have our our uh, his student, which is our our, our master Joe Moera. You know I talk to him a lot on face, you know on on social media. But yeah, you don't have too many access to like high high ranking people like that to learn from. Yeah. So definitely definitely yeah, take those opportunities to soak them in, soak soak all that in. So yeah, like I so said, is this. Uh... Go ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, no. You, you're good. Go ahead. Well, I was just saying, it's like, it's amazing. You know, I'll, I'll talk to my students all the time about how fortunate that, that, that they have it. You know, uh, like, we, like we were talking. Um, so I trained in South Georgia for, you know, three to four years of, of my jujitsu, like beginning, but then I moved to Chicago. And that's where I really started getting to train around upper belts, you know. And, uh, you know, it's just, um, like I say, 
even asking a question when I was coming up to a black belt, you know, you got little, mm. you got almost scolded for asking a question and, or they'd answer you with, you know, Oh, just hit me up after class and we can do a private, you know, right. uh, it's, it's so different now. I mean, you can go on, on, on a forum, you know, and you can ask a black belt, you can message, you have so much access to these guys, man. And it's, it's, it's such a beautiful martial art for that. I mean, when I was in the Dominican there, I had, uh, at one point, I had Hadolfo Vieja staying at my house. I had Cyborg, um, Gutenberg Pieja, just top, top level guys that are, you know, some of the best guys in the game. And you have access to these people. You know, if you play basketball, you're not going to get to play basketball with Michael Jordan unless you're just one of the elite few in the world, you know. But you can go, you know, you can be at a competition and you can talk to these guys. You can access these guys. All of them have websites with instructionals. You know, you can get that high-level training from these people. So it's a great time and place to be a jiu-jitsu instructor. I mean, a jiu-jitsu practitioner. Yeah, man. Yeah, because I get because even even you know myself, I'm I'll scroll through Instagram for hours and hours looking at videos of competitions and uh, techniques and stuff. And I'm just still in shock and awe. Like, man, where was this like two years ago? You know? <laughs> right. Yeah. Because everything just seemed like it just sprouted. It just spread like wildfire. Like you, you knew about some people and then it's like, oh, here comes, you know, Danaher and, and his, his group. And then it's like, bam, 10 planets sprouted out of nowhere. Then, you know, obviously the Gracies were still, you know, opening up schools. And then now you got all these high ranking level people just sprouting out of nowhere. And it's like, yeah, what the, what the hell, you know? True. So with, it's um, wild. So, so is this, so this wasn't your first, this for your first school to open, uh, that you opened. So how was that for you, you know, you know, finding a building, finding a location, um, like what was your process of trying to open your own, your first school? So I tell people this all the time. I never really wanted to have my own academy. I was kind of forced into it, you know? So, um, I moved to the Dominican Republic as a purple belt. And um, as I'm there, there was just nothing, you know, like my professor had a school, which he's a multiple time world champion. He's won worlds at every belt. Um, he, he, had a, he had an academy there in the Dominican Republic, but it was about four hours away. And when I say four hours away, I'm talking like through sugar cane fields and roads you just don't want to travel, you know? Oh, so God. it was really hard to make that trip. And um, so, uh, I, I had just brought some mats over from the States and my son and I would train on those mats, you know, when we had time, but then just out of the blue, a guy uh, from Spain opened a Muay Thai Academy. And man, as soon as they started breaking ground, I run over there and I'm like, look, I'll, I'll, I'll teach jujitsu for free. You know, I just need people to train with blah, blah, blah. So we ended up working out a deal where I started teaching at his Academy. And it just kind of flourished and grew. You know, it got to the point where I opened um, three more academies there in the Dominican. And we grew a, a really good uh, team there, really good um, competition team. Uh, and I was bringing a lot of uh, people from Brazil over there, you know, as an exchange program for them to get those stamps on their visa before going to the States. So I had a good partnership with, with uh, um a school there in Brazil to do that. 
and it, it was just flourishing good. But then, you know, like typical story, COVID came and, you know, COVID in a country like the Dominican Republic was not something very functional, man. I mean, it was tough. You know, they would, you'd go to jail for not social distancing. They'd come by with these high powered trucks with these like high power water hoses and spray you if you're not social distancing, you know, just like oh my God. halfway across the block. <laughs> so uh, I ended up having to get out of there and I came here to uh, um, back home to uh, Hinesville area. And again, same process. I, I started kind of training around here in different gyms. And then it's like, as I would gym hop, one person would follow me. Next thing you know, three people would follow me, five people. Now it's getting to where I'm like, going to all these different gyms with like a dozen people coming with me. So I was like, all right, I'm just going to open a little spot. And just so I got people to train with, and it just, it grew. We've won the um, best martial arts Academy in the state of Georgia in 2021 and 2022. And we're on track to win again in 2023. Oh, that's amazing, man. So it's been very good. It's a really good area. Like I say, it's a lot of uh, soldiers, you know, so we work a lot extensively with that with the combatants program here and training them um it's been been really good very very enjoying very rewarding yeah and to, and to think you didn't want to do it yeah exactly like, <laughs> I, well that's the thing is I, I was still so focused on my competition career i still am very focused on my competition career but one thing i've noticed and i'm trying to teach my son this is in teaching you learn yourself you know, some mm -hmm. of the, the most I've learned is from teaching because it keeps me centered. It keeps me on the basics, which are the fundamentals. I mean, our our uh, sister academy in the Dominican Republic, that's what it's called, Basico BJJ, which in Spanish translates to basic. So that's what we focus a lot on, the basics, the fundamentals. And I feel like, I mean, the guys that do that, like, in my opinion, the greatest of all time, Hodger Gracie. I mean, his game, that's all it was, close guard sweep go to mount cross choke game over or arm bar basics and ironically um i just posted a clip for tomorrow's episode and that's exactly the same thing we were just talking about that that yep. same setup sweep top choke yeah. basics fundamentals well, it's so, it's so funny you know, it's so funny i tell my students all the time you know you'll get on youtube and you get this distracted for uh by the girl in the red dress is what i call it because you see these fancy techniques you know grimbolo all of these things but if you don't have a basic if you don't have a foundation to work from all that stuff's meaningless you know what i mean mm -hmm. and then that's all it is take three techniques you know take something like a scissor sweep being able to control a guy in mount and a cross choke you know those essentials right there will take you everywhere you need to go yeah, man. It it I guess it's just when you when you're so new into it, you, you want to do everything. You want to experience everything. You want to explore everything that jujitsu has. But like as further in that 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 drive that well, that journey in jujitsu, yeah, you'd be like, you know what, man, I don't I don't want to do all that stuff no more. If I can get to this yeah. here in two steps, I'm just gonna focus on that. Well, it's funny, like I was just talking about this the other night with my students, is it's as you progress, it almost becomes more detrimental to you because you start thinking you know something. I've said this multiple mm -hmm. times in different interviews. I didn't really start learning jujitsu until brown belt because that's yes. when I realized I sucked at jujitsu, if that makes yes. sense. You know? Yes, so, it does. Yes, it does. <laughs> 
how many times you see a white belt it's his first day in class okay so you teach something like a scissor sweep well now he goes on later on into the class and does the light sparring and you'll see him multiple times try to hit that scissor sweep to no avail or maybe he does hit it but he tries it because it's all he knows but then you'll mm-hmm. take a purple belt he just showed he just he just did that scissor sweep with you but then when it comes time to training, he's not going to, he'll try the scissor sweep one time. If it doesn't work, he goes back to the bad habits that he's created already and just keeps working those same bad habits. So like I say, when you realize that when you, when you, I always tell my guys, it's like you have an etching sketch. When you walk into the gym, shake your etching sketch, make it blank and just start with that white belt mentality. Learn that new technique and make it happen, you know, make it work. Yeah. I think it's just, you know, when you get to a certain level, you you kind of oh yeah, you almost forget your fundamentals until like you said you you mm-hmm. get to that that brown belt and it's like, man, I'm still struggling on the stuff that I was so good at when I first started. Cuz yeah. like you said, I I'm yeah. definitely starting to realize that now like, man, I need to start, mm-hmm. you know, quote unquote start over. <laughs> you know? Well, I a, a, a funny story. So I respect my instructor so much because I, I've always said this. Is he, he's one of those kind of people that will tell you the truth, whether you want to hear mm-hmm. it or not. Now, listen, it's probably going to hurt your feelings, but it's the truth, right? So at Brown Belt, my, my first year at Brown Belt, I was ranked number one master one in the world in IBJJF. I had won Pan Ams, placed third at Worlds, um won american nationals pretty much won everything i competed in won uh, abu dhabi pro trials everything so i thought man i'm gonna get my black belt first year you know i spent almost six more years at brown belt and at brown belt that's when like i say i learned all of those act all those things that i had won i still didn't know shit. i went to my professor's academy and he was he was doing uh shrimping drills down the mat and me as a typical brown belt i'm sitting over there in the corner you know, and he's like, the luck are you doing, man? Go over there and warm up. I'm like, okay. So I go over there. I start doing the shrimps. And he's like, look at this. He said, he said, you're thinking you're getting a black belt. You don't even know how to shrimp correctly. I literally had to relearn how to shrimp, you know, how to bridge correctly. Just basics like that because I just rushed through them after getting my blue belt. I didn't focus so much time on shrimping anymore, bridging. And and now that, I, that, that being a black belt for going on six years right now, and I think to myself, that's if I could take one technique with me, you know, for the rest of my life, it's a shrimp. Any bad position you're in, ever, you shrimp. You know yeah. what I mean? It's the single most important technique in jiu-jitsu. Mm-hmm. And we forget so about true. it. You know, we forget how many times, you know, I'm sure you're guilty of it too. When you're when it's when it's warm-up time, you know, and everybody's over there shrimp and you're thinking to yourself, God, why am I doing this? This is so stupid. Let's just go ahead and start learning the technique. <laughs> I get that, I get that sometimes, but honestly, I don't mind, I don't mind doing warm-ups. I love the I love you know That's just good. being able to rep. Cause you know, I do I teach uh, you know our kids class too, so I'm trying to get into the habit of of not just you know teaching them, but actually get down there working with them. You know, for if we're sure. if they're doing snakes, I'm doing snakes. Well, you call them shrimps, but we call them snakes. Whatever, potatoes, potato. But yeah, if they're down yeah. there doing them. I try to get down there and do them. Um, if you know if they're, if they're learning a certain technique, I'm down there learning and teaching them as well. So 
but yeah, I, I get it, man. It's like you you like you thinking as a as an upper belt, like man, I've done these snakes or shrimps millions of times. I've done this millions yeah. of times. I don't need to do this no more. And then you're wondering why, like, why am I getting smoked by under by uh lower ranks? Because they're focusing on the basics. Why are you trying to do all this flashy shit? Yeah, that's the so, truth. Man, relearning that brown belt. That is <laughs> that is the title of this one here. <laughs> relearning that brown belt. But yeah, it but it's important, like, like you said. That everybody that seems like the belt that everybody's gotta has their big learning you know, curve besides blue belt, blue belt's a huge learning curve, but brown belt seems like that's that one where you realize, you know, I'm just not good enough to be a black belt and not good enough to be purple belts, you know? So it's isn't like, that, isn't that crazy? It, it, it's tough. Yes, man. I got, it was funny. We would go, I would go with my professor all the time to these seminars and stuff, man, I'm trying everything I can to get a, to get my black belt. Right. I'd roll with, with black belts out there at these seminars and beat the black belts and he would never see it. But then one time I'll roll with a blue belt or a purple belt who just completely wrecks me and he watched that whole match. It's like, yeah, Oh my God, dude. <laughs> There's been so many times I've been rolling in class and my teach my instructor will look over and he'll be watching and I'm making horrible mistakes and he's calling me out. As soon yeah. as I do something right, his back is turned. He's talking to somebody else. I'll be like, yeah. <laughs> always like that. That's what I, I always say to my students. It's just it's some kind of Brazilian jiu-jitsu law that that if you're ever doing good, your instructor will never be watching. <laughs> you never, <laughs> never be watching. So many times, dude, mm-hmm. where I'd be like, you did like where was you two seconds ago when I landed this perfect, yeah. beautiful scissor sweep? But no, he was, he was back to start. He was talking to somebody else. How dare you? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's true. Oh man, that's funny. That's hilarious, right there. But um, but man, so as a as a instructor, school owner, and you also you know you're you're active in in competing, which is so rare, so rare. Like, how do you how do you find that balance? Man, that's been the toughest part is I'm really, I, I'd say this year has been the one that's that's really hit me the most about it. Like that it's really hard to balance that unless you have a good team behind you, people who can pick up the weight while you're gone, which I really don't have many higher belts that can kind of pick up the academy if I do go to compete. I've got some really mm-hmm. good, good, uh, you know, blue, purple belts, stuff like that, 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 that are able to do it. But it's it's tough. I think you really kind of have to choose one of the two and really focus with that. I'm 43 now, so, you know, I'm kind of okay in the part of taking a step back a little bit on on competition and just focus on the big ones like Worlds, Pans, stuff mm-hmm. like that, and really focus on building my team. So, uh, yeah, it's tough, man. It's a, I mean, when you add, add on being a, a, a husband and having children and all of that, you know, in there in the mix too it's it's super tough yeah man because just being a assistant instructor and trying to find time to really focus on myself you know to in order to compete the way i want to is just brutal because you know if, if i have to teach you know if i have to teach class i'm like dang 
I want to teach. I want to be able to walk around and help people. But it's like, I need to work this stuff myself. I need time to rep this stuff myself. And, you know, I really, you know, typically don't get that that rep time like that. So when you saying all that, I'm like, dude, how, how are you doing this? That's bananas. It's, I'll tell you one thing I do a lot is as I'm teaching the technique, I really break it down into the fine details. And that really gives me that rep. Like I've been very fortunate in that, that I'm not a person that I have to rep a technique 20, 30, 40 times to get it. If I just break it down into the simplest of movements and show it, and then when it comes time that we'll start doing maybe our active sparring, I will, so I used to play basketball in, in, in school and I, I had this OCD type thing that I would tell myself, for example, I can't leave the court unless I hit five three-pointers in a row. And there would be times, you know, I'd be staying out there. I'd be out there for hours, you know, get to four and miss, you know, and it's just uh, stubborn until I hit it. So I'll do the same thing. Whatever technique is that I show for the day, I'm not leaving the mat until I've hit that on somebody. Because I feel like, you know, in, in a drilling session, you're doing the technique under a perfect scenario. You know, the yeah. person doesn't move. He doesn't, you know, react. But if you hit it in a live sparring action, especially when the guy knows the technique because he just worked on it today with you, then it truly becomes yours. You know, you find a way to actually make it happen. So I don't care if I've got to, you know, I'll start off rolling with the black belts. You know what I mean? And trying to hit it. I'll work my way down to the brown belt. And I don't care if I have to go to the the the. 11 year old that's just in class for the day you know to try to hit this technique but i'm hitting it before i walk out the chair <laughs> say you come here <laughs> like this is first class i don't care yes, come on yeah. let's roll <laughs> yeah, get over here <laughs> yeah and that's and that's so vital man um because we we try to we try to uh get uh our students to do that too where we'll go over one you know two or three techniques a class and be like hey you know when it's, when it's time to, you know, roll, rep this stuff, use what you just learned. Because like mm-hmm. you said, it, it pushes you because you and your training partner literally just learned this technique. So obviously, you know what's coming and obviously, you know what you're trying yeah. to get. So if you can't, like you said, if you can learn, land that move on, you know, on somebody, then you know you're good. You know you got a better yeah, understanding. And so... But they don't want to take that. They don't want to take that time, man. We'd be like, hey, you guys got 15, 20 minutes. If you want to rep or roll or whatever, you got it. And you just see people just walk off the mat. So it was like, all right. <laughs> then they come next How do you class. Guys do you get academy. Mm-hmm. Do you guys do a lot, a lot of rolling there after class, or is it mostly uh, technique? Um. It kind of, honestly, it kind of depends on the day. Uh, we kind of we kind of step back from showing a lot of techniques because uh, we got a a just basically a busload of new white belts. Um, yeah. So our school is our school is small. So I think the most people we have is twelve to thirteen people. Um, mm-hmm. So we get like maybe like eight on a good day. So we're i'm so used to it being my instructor who was a you know is a black belt me and my other training partner was a brown belt and a purple belt and two blue belts that's what we were used to for a while so it was a lot of you know techniques that we were doing because obviously everyone was upper belt so we they understood so now we got five or six new white belts now 
And we're just, you know, continuing on to how we were going. And then we're noticing like they're, you know, they're stagnant in a lot of things. And we were like, wait, okay. Yeah. I, we see it now. We see what's going on. We see that we're not used to having so many white belts now. So let's slow it down. Let's take it back to two, three tech, you know, two or three techniques and a lot of repping, a lot of drills. And, you know, so we're able to get back where we can just do techniques and roll all day. Sure. Makes you uh, think about what a blessing it was when it was just you and a small group of guys like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, uh, my professor used to say to me all the time, he'd say, uh, this was back when I was in the Dominican. He said, the worst thing that can ever happen to you, Caitlin, is to get 100 students. And I think to myself, like, uh, why? I'd be making money. You know, that'd be good. But then hearing me having 100 plus students now, I'm spread so thin. You know, it's so hard. It really is. Yeah. And it, that sounds like my instructor, too, man. He He's like... You know he loved he loved the sport he loved the martial art and he's like man but if I had a bigger school he said I'm he said I'm, I'm content with the you know the, the small group we got he said I would love to see our school grow I'm not gonna stop it but he's like damn if I have to yeah like you said a hundred students trying to rep and roll and rep all this stuff it's like dude how, how? you know yeah. so I get it I I definitely definitely get it and understand it. So, um, so what about so what about your your school? I know you were a competition school. Do you have like like different curriculums depending on the the group, or is this just like a you know you have like a set program that you do? Yeah, so it, I've always been competition based, and it's hard for me not to be. It's the way I was taught, you know, the way I came up and everything, but. I've really done a lot of soul searching and just, you know, realizing there's so many people that'll walk in the door and come here who would really need jujitsu in their life, you know, mm-hmm. you know, just to eat, whether it's to get in shape or just have that outlet, you know, and they'll come in here, open the door and just see this room full of guys with tattoos and muscles and in shape. And it can be intimidating. You know, I've understood that, you know, that it's like, I'll lose a lot of people because of that. So I've really tried to the past couple of years, change my parameters and create some, you know, beginner classes and self-defense type classes because, you know, jujitsu did so much for me as a human being, you know, having that outlet of being able to just go there and, and, you know, train jujitsu kept me out of trouble, kept, I mean, it saved my marriage. It's saved a lot of things in my life. You know what I mean? So I would really love for people to get all of that. So I'm really trying to, you know, get out of that competition type. I still have my competition classes and I've still got my killers that, you know, go out and destroy at these tournaments all around here, but I wanted to reach everybody. So I'm trying to just open up a lot more different classes for all body types, all personalities, all ages. Yeah. That's awesome, man. Cause yeah. Um, when you said, you know, how it, you know, it saved your marriage and everything else, man, we could talk hours about that, but right. It's, <laughs> yeah, it's, you know, that having jujitsu, it definitely saved a lot, <clears throat> you know, mentally, physically, emotionally. Um, but yeah, like you said, just having that, that outlet, you know, somewhere you can, you can go, you can get all your frustrations out. You can just, freaking breathe at the end of the day, you know, because I, right. I know yes. there's so many, so many times I will be 
on my way to class, don't feel like going, not in the mood, whatever is bothering me throughout the day. Get on the mats after class. I'm looking like, oh, man, I'm so happy I came to class. So happy I came to yeah. class. But yeah, we because our school, we're not we're not competition. We're not a competition school. Uh, mainly right now, it's me and one other guy that I guess you want to say compete regularly. But you know, I just really got into it, and he's just starting. But yeah, we're you know anybody that walk in the door, that's our first thing that we try to do is make sure that they're comfortable. You know, not feel intimidated yeah. by you know people, you know people are size, you know people sizes because we're a lot of guys in our school are big. We're talking two fifty plus, like almost everybody. Oh, wow. So you know, big guys, big guys. So you know, we when people come in, you know, we'll you know we'll show them what we can, and then the first thing we say is like, look, you are not obligated to roll. You're not obligated to do anything that you're not comfortable doing. You, once you feel comfortable to get out there and swim, swim with sharks, go ahead. But other than that, if you want to just come in, work and rep and learn, by all means, do that. It's it's all on your speed. Yes. So beautiful, love that. Yeah, because you don't, because like yeah, if you if you want to, you know, if you really want to look at it, you know, if you want to take out the the martial arts aspect of, it, you want to kind of look at the business part of it because you have to look at that too. You want people to come back for one, and you so you that's the one thing you don't want them to feel uncomfortable because if they feel uncomfortable, they're not going to come back. So, you know, yeah, not only definitely. are you losing a student, you're losing business, and that's that's no good for anybody. Yeah, for real. <laughs> yeah, and I'm like I said, this is this is stuff that I'm I'm slowly learning myself because. The uh, conversation of opening up my own school has came up so many times, and the longer and longer I, I do jujitsu, the more it's starting to come up, and the more it's starting to like. I'm thinking, like, man, do I want to open my own school? Like, I I love where I train, you know, train uh, train at, but obviously, you know, it would be a, a good idea to expand because you know my instructor talks about that all the time. He's like, I don't want to keep you guys here. If you guys feel like you can open your own school, I, you know, you have my support and all that other, you know, good stuff under the sun. So it's like, man, this is the stuff that you don't really get a chance to talk about. It's like the business aspect of running and operating a jujitsu school. Sure. Because it's, cause it's well, more it's than a, just buying the building and putting the mats down. It is. And that's the thing. It's definitely a, a, a different added level of stress you know mm -hmm. i say this all the time if if a black belt moved here better than me and with more knowledge i would close my gym and i would go be a student you know because mm. I, I i love jujitsu i love learning you know and i've got a very successful academy here but i'm not done learning you know what i mean right. I, i'll be getting my second my second degree uh next month and okay. I've just only started, you know, so I'm like, I'm, I'm loving the aspect of learning. And if you, if you have the ability that you're training almost one-on-one -on -one, like that with a black belt, you know, with not having many students, I would reap all the benefits that you can out of that. Take as much out of it as you can keep sucking up that knowledge, you know? And if, if you decide that you want to open a gym after that, cause you gotta understand it's going to take a lot of your time, you know? 
it's going to take uh, a, a lot away from, from other aspects. And it's so nice sometimes, man, let me tell you, when I can just sit there on my knees in that circle and be a student, it's so nice, you know? So yeah. I wouldn't rush it, you know? Jiu-jitsu is nah. a marathon. You know what I mean? It's not a sprint. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like I say, it's, it's no <laughs> rush. Um, I, you know, I, I love the school that I'm at. Um, it's just like I say, it's just one of those those passing thoughts that people that ask me like, oh, you know, you still doing jujitsu? Like, yeah. What bro? What rank yeah. are you? Oh, I'm a brown belt. Oh man, you you know that's, you know you gonna open your own school? I don't know. Man, you should. I want to, but like you said, I I love learning. I love learning yeah. as much as I can, and because. You know, piggyback on what you're saying about, you know, those, I guess you want to say those one-on-ones with your, with, with the black belt. I was fortunate yeah. enough, like half through purple, no, half through blue and all, maybe like all of purple belt. We had morning classes, um, you know, every, every Wednesday, Friday morning, 6.30, like 6.30, like 7.45 or something like that. Or no, 7.45, 6.45 and 7.30. And it would be only me and my instructor there. Oh, so man, it's like there you go. That's worth its weight in gold, right there. <laughs> right. So he would be like, "All right, since uh, no one else showed up, we can break down what was you know last night class, and we would do that for yeah. an hour." So, yeah, man, I I definitely definitely forever a student of the game. No matter what rank I am, if I have the chance to learn from anybody, it don't even have to be a black belt. If I have the chance to learn from anybody, I'm going to be there like that that new freshly minted white belt every time yeah that's the best attitude to have right there that'll make you progress so much further than everybody with just that mm -hmm. attitude there yep yep and i and we do that to, i do that to this day like if we have a small class if i have you know just one or two white belts just show up for the whole entire day i'm like all right uh this is y'all class what y'all want to work on what y'all want to focus yeah. on no one else like whoever shows up after this is gonna have to you know just play catch up this is this is yeah. your class so, yeah, man, love being a student of the art for sure. <clears throat> so, um, so we have a thing here, Calum, but you, I mean, but you, uh, competing and, and whatnot a lot. So it's probably not, this list is probably not that big, but, uh, your top three people, man, who would you love to roll with? Well, obviously, I'm strange about this because I'm very old school, man. Like I told you, I love basics, you know, and number one, 110% Hicks and Gracie. Hicks That's and Gracie. My, my dream, <laughs> dream seminar. I've got a couple guys who've trained with him before and like they just talk about it. it's just unreal, the pressure that this guy generates and the things that he can do. So yes, Hicks and Gracie, number one. Number two, a lot of people would probably think I'm strange for saying this, but Henry Akins. If I didn't have access to Hickson, I would definitely want Henry because Henry's one of the first um, American black belts under Hickson. Uh -huh. And just some of the stuff that, that he shows, it's just, he's one of the only person I've ever seen that he, he let Bernardo uh, Fari on his back with a full, full on rear naked choke and escapes it. He told him, go ahead, lock it in as hard as you want. And as soon as he goes, boom, he's right out of it. And it's like, come That's on. Crazy. I just I love that. You know? And then third, obviously, Hydra Gracie. 
I've gotten, you know, I, I've been very fortunate in the sense because I used to always say uh, Bruno Malfasini because I really mm. wanted to feel how a small guy like that, you know, me, I'm like, I'm around 205. And I thought, you know, Bruno's around 135 or less. And I thought, well, surely I could muscle a guy like that. Or, you know, his technique would be so ridiculous. So I, I got to train with him down in Orlando. And starting into the match, man, we, we, we slapped, bumped, and boom, he swept me right away. Got on top, passed my guard. I tried to uh, turtle. He ended up on my back. And as he's locking the rear naked choke, and I'm thinking to myself, this is the greatest sport in the world. I'm about to be put to sleep by Bruno Malfasini. You know what I mean? So, Such an honor. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So like I said, that just showed me the technique, man. My muscle, my strength, my size, it meant nothing. It was futile. I could do nothing with this 130-pound uh, human. <laughs> yeah, it's like that, man. I, I've, I've rolled with some smaller guys um, at different schools. And, yeah, that same mentality. Even now, I was like, okay, I got about 100 pounds on this guy. I ain't worried. And I'm like, <laughs> what, that's – one of the toughest roles I have is with, you know, sometimes right. with the smaller guys. Cause it's like, okay, there's no way, no way you should not be, yep. I should not be able to move you. But <laughs> as it showed you, man, good technique beats strength any day. Absolutely. But um, yeah, man, if you got any questions for me, man, fire away. Uh, if you got anything that you got going on in the future for you, your students, your school, uh, plug it, man. You know, the floor is all yours. I appreciate it. Um, no, just uh, we're. I've got a, a few sponsors: Bighorn Athletics, Gold BJJ, Origin um, BJJ. They, uh, if you haven't tried their their kimonos or uh, their pants, it's ridiculous. I mean, expensive, but like I say, it's like wearing a suit. It's like having a suit custom fit to you. I'll even wear my uh, my Origin gi pants out sometimes as regular pants. That's how good they fit. Um. <laughs> But yeah, just uh, you know, we're, like I said, we're check us out uh, online. My, uh, I've got an instructional. I've got two instructionals on BJJ fanatics called Sneaky Submissions. Uh, I put those DVDs out because that's you know, the, it's one of those little things that'll give you the edge. You know, being a blue belt, and everybody remembers the first time being a blue belt and you tapped a purple belt or tapped a brown belt or even a black belt. So these are all sneaky submissions that people don't see coming. That these lower belts can can catch and you know trap trap that one nemesis you have at the gym who just comes and smashes you every day yeah we all got one we all got one but i would definitely check yes, them out man absolutely. definitely check those videos out for sure actually matter of fact uh uh my uh my gi um instruction will be on, on bjj fanatics is on the daily deal today so you get it at like i think 50 percent off today Oh, sweet. All right. I'm mean, like I say, I, I definitely gotta check that out. Awesome. I appreciate you having me on the show. Man, the pleasure is all mine, man. And uh that's the end of today's episode. I would love to thank Caleb one more time for coming on the show and blessing us with his uh his jujitsu knowledge and experiences. Uh please go and follow our Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube page to stay updated on all future episodes. This has been Talk Your Jiu-Jitsu Podcast. Keep rolling, keep grinding, and remember, long live jujitsu. Have a great day. Awesome.